Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 166. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Lee's Comics. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by popoptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. You remember them from your childhood. Half for the Friendly Ghost, Richie Ridge, Hot Stuff, Baby Huey, Sad Sack and Little Audrey. You read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook version. Order your copies today. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One, by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song, and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Christmas, Christmas time is here, and Alvin and the Chipmunks are here again. In 1958, a down songwriter with an unlikely name of Ross Bagdasarian plunged the last of his family savings on a multi-speed tape recorded and created The Witch Doctor and Alvin and the Chipmunks. It changed the fortunes for his family, his record label, and animated cartoon studio. Alvin! The story of Ross Bagdasarian, Liberty Records, Format Film and The Alvin Show by Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions is available from Amazon and Fair Manor Media in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copy today. You can now order my latest book, the TTV Scrapbook, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Bear Manor Media. If you'd like signed copies of this or any of my books, please email me at funideas.mark at gmail.com for further information on how to order directly from me via PayPal. I now have three super articles to write for Back Issue. Super Richie, Super Dagwood, and Super Fan. My Pac-Man book is the next to be coming out, and I'm still working on my Mad and Turtles books. 
Warren Kremer is due out eventually, as is my next Disney book. On today's show, cartoon research columnist Camden Spees returns and grills me about the various celebrities I have met in my life. So here we are, Camden Spees and me, part one. Hello, this is the Fun Ideas Podcast. I'm your host now, Camden Spees. I've hijacked this podcast again. Um, and now with me is... <laughs> with me is uh, my guest... Once again, he's back. Mark Arnold, how's it going? <laughs> Doing okay. <laughs> that was a poor intro, but... Hey, that's <laughs> about as good as I do. I laughed through one of them recently, but anyway, um, go ahead. <laughs> now, the last time we spoke, well, the last time we spoke of, we were with Ben Olsen, but the last time I interviewed you, I interviewed all about your career. Um, I'm going to touch base on notes I didn't get to get to last time. And then I'm also going to talk about three things, four things. So make sure notes, the fun ideas podcast about its history and this, not every one of them, but this long list of (laughs) six pages of people you've met and then your upcoming The ones I remembered. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. See a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. You've met a lot more people than I have. Yeah. I've met a lot more people famous than a lot of people have, but that's just because uh, the, 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 the trick is I did, uh, uh, I used to run camera with a friend of mine and we would do celebrity interviews and did that for about 20 years. So yeah, you meet a lot of celebrities when you do that. Yeah, about one-fourth <laughs> of the, in fairness though to my list, about one-fifth of the list begins says kind of on it yeah like then when you then when you start ri- writing books and everything and you need to interview people for the books then you meet a whole bunch of other people so there you go so <laughs> yeah four people on this list i've met too which makes it less impressive all right <laughs> jerry beck is not an impressive person to meet oh <laughs> it was when i did but anyway <laughs> it was when i did too he walked up to me Hey, I have that issue of film comment. You know the issue of film comment from like '72 with Greg Ford and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Ford's yeah. on the cover. Yeah. I was showing yeah. it to Craig Cawson. First thing Jerry says to me, he walks up behind me, points it to it, and I show it to Craig, Chuck's grandson. I've been trying to get on your show. I don't know why he can't respond. He says he'd do it, but he says he says I got that the day it came out. That's how old I am. When he walks away. First <laughs> interaction with Jerry. <laughs> Uh, mine wasn't just as exciting. Uh, mine was just, I, I knew of Jerry Beck because of, of course, of Mice and Magic, uh, yeah. of Animania and Mind Rot, because he wrote a column for that. And I just basically, and I told him this before, so it's no secret. I idolized him from afar because I didn't know. I think he was in New York back in those days still. And uh, it was in 91 when I went to the San Diego Comic Convention that, you know, I started meeting people that I've always heard about. So that's you kind of San Francisco at this time, didn't you? Uh, by '91, yeah, I was living in San Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that's where you grew up. Well, I grew up in the Bay Area, but I mean, where I was born and where well, you know it was well, where you were born. You're part of it was the like an hour hour south, hour drive south of San Francisco. Of course, nowadays, but you're born. You're part of. You're like part of the NBA Hall of Fame or something. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's part of the Hall of Fame of wherever you are. So. Oh, okay. 
Oh, Saratoga? Yeah. Well, that's because I was a um, celebrity at the uh, Saratoga Museum once, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, hey, I'm right right up there with Steven Spielberg and uh, volleyball star Carrie Walsh and uh, who else? Uh, Olivia de Havilland, um, Joan Fontaine, you know, all these people. They didn't necessarily were born in Saratoga, but they you they, asked, they put their foot down in Saratoga at one point. I actually wasn't born in Saratoga either, just because the hospital was in San Jose. But, you know, it's, so if anybody says I was born in Saratoga, California, they're either lying or they were born at home because there's no hospital or, in Saratoga. Or- <laughs> <laughs> or they just put a hospital there and you had not no there's no hospital there there wasn't a hospital certainly then and there certainly isn't one now so if right. they had a midwife now, come over then maybe but it's like most people would say i was born in saratoga you weren't you know and yeah. and so i don't make that claim even though i did grow up in saratoga but you know anyway yeah maybe maybe before it was probably before it was named saratoga someone during the gold rush had a baby on a wagon or something <laughs> over there <laughs> You know, I, if you don't mind me just jabbering away about my hometown, um, it was originally called Tollgate. Why? Because it had a toll gate. <laughs> it was on I think the road. That, Tollgate. I think you said Tollgate, and I was like Toll Tollgate, like Tollgate cookies, not Tollgate yeah, I, I toothpaste. Was thinking, I was thinking like I was thinking like the Jack Benny sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Colgate toothpaste. Tollgate, like Tollgate cookies. <laughs> anyway. All yeah. Right. Now let's get onto this. Jack Benny's a good start for this because I was going to ask you one thing I didn't ask. So you were like me, where you were basically interested in com- comic books, cartoons, stuff like that. Yeah. But was the live action stuff come at the same time? Like I'm talking about live action, like Jack Benny. I mean, I'm I'm sure you are also a silent film fan, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it was not easily accessible. They'd play stuff. We're talking right. early early 1970s. But, you know, when they had stuff on, it usually usually where you saw silent films back then was actually at the pizza parlor. There was a chain called Straw Hat, another one called Shakey's Pizza, and they would show silent movies. The reason why is because you could sell them, you could show them while everybody's just jabbering away eating pizza. So, I mean, you know, because it's a now silent movie. The, now they have TVs blaring all day. Yeah. So, yeah. But back then, they, you know, there's no flat screen TV. And, you know, so they showed a 16 millimeter film of old Laurel and Hardy, our gang. And that's where I saw all that stuff, you yeah. know, originally. So, yeah, because with me, the only live action stuff I was familiar with as much was I was a little bit familiar with Three Stooges growing up. Yeah. But Jack well, Benny, but Jack Benny, George Burns, all of that came much later. Right. But you got to remember when I was a kid, all those guys are still alive, or a lot yeah. of them were. Um, Stan Laurel wasn't. What? Stan Laurel wasn't. No, he was not. But he died a year before I was born. But uh, when I was a kid, uh, two of the three Stooges were alive of the good ones. I mean, Mo and Larry. <laughs> I mean, yes, Curly Joe was alive and Joe Besser was still alive. But uh, uh, Bud Abbott was still alive. Um Costello died in like 60 something, right? Uh, Costello died in 59, you know, oh, really? so, but uh, okay. Abbott lived till 74. So yeah. uh, Jack Benny was still alive and he used to appear on like everything, including with George Burns. He appeared, uh, with, um, he appeared with Burns on the Carson show a lot. Yeah. The 70s. And he, well, even on his own specials, he appeared, you know, and yeah. uh, of course, Lucille Ball was alive. Johnny Carson was alive. Uh, 
the first celebrity death of oh Groucho Marx was still alive, Zeppa was still alive too, and Gummo. Harpo even. was not. Harpo was not. Um, but uh, the first celebrity death I remember was Wally Cox. And I was a little kid and my mom told me and I knew of him for two reasons. He was the voice of underdog and he was a regular panelist on Hollywood Squares. And, you know, suddenly he was gone. He died at the age of 48, which at the time seemed kind of old. Now it's like, wow, I have outlived him by seven years. (laughs) So there you go. Um, Trying to think of other golden age comedians. Of course, Jerry Lewis was alive. Uh, Dean Martin. um, um, Chaplin was still alive. Charlie Chaplin was still alive. Uh, Buster Keaton was not. Um, Harold Harold Lloyd. What? Chaplin was still alive, but at that point, Chaplin wasn't. He was basically retired, but you knew he was was around. No, you wouldn't have no. you wouldn't have known Chaplin was alive. Well, I knew I, I did know he was alive because you know I'd see his films like you're asking silent films, and my I'd ask my dad, "Is he still around?" Oh yeah, he's still around. He doesn't do anything anymore, but you know that's what my yeah. dad's typical thing. Uh, but Harold Lloyd, he was around when I was a kid, but I didn't know he died because he died in 1971, and I wasn't really aware of Harold Lloyd until probably about seven, eight years later. So. Oh, well. All right, let's catch up where we left off off by two questions. Right. Number one, when were you born? And number two, when? Number two what's your name, Mark? <laughs> Wait a minute. What are these questions against? When was I born? No, I'm doing something like two, a game show. 2.13 p.m., December 15th. Uh, 1966. How about that? I know that. That's uh, good enough. That's all we need. In San Jose, California. Where the okay. hospital was. We've, we've caught up. Okay, this is <clears throat> that was that was that was my version of William Conrad hearing something. Oh, okay. And my middle name's David, so there we go. Yeah, <laughs> that was too much info. Too much info. <laughs> now, now the question I was going to ask you about that I didn't get to go to is about books you contributed to because I talked all about every one of your books you've written, yeah. other than the ones that you're upcoming that we're going to talk about right. at the end. Um. And you, uh, you wrote one of the books I didn't get to talk to you about was the Harvey Comics books with Leslie Cabarga and Jerry Beck that you co you co wrote. Okay, well I didn't co write it. Um, I helped them compile it. I mean, really, yeah. those are the. It was a five volume set done for Dark Horse. Yeah. And uh, Jerry Beck co wrote them with Leslie Cabarga. I wrote uh the back cover blurb on the hot stuff one and i believe i wrote a forward in one of them if i remember correctly i could be wrong i think you wrote the one with the little kids one i think and then uh i helped them pick out stories uh but i didn't do any of the scanning and they had the final say so so if they didn't want to do it you know it was their product then they did two then leslie did two more he did a smaller Casper one and a smaller hot stuff one. And I don't know how much I contributed to it, but um, we were in conversations. And then there's one final project, which was the Casper 60th anniversary book, which was a hardback. This is also Dark Horse. And the scan of Casper number six, which is the first Harvey issue, is my copy. So. So. so i'm just curious by the way do you have all the casper issues i do now what i do now <laughs> you didn't then uh no <laughs> i got oh. the last issue i was missing about four three or four years ago <laughs> now 
you also wrote contributed to Back Issue magazine, which I talked to you about. Yeah. And still the do. one article that's found that, that I was able to actually find that actually seemed significant enough to ask you about was the uh, with the with the Black Archie interview. Oh, that's Willie Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. What about it? <laughs> I'm just curious, how did you get in contact with him? Was it an idea from well, on all these back issue articles, Michael Yuri basically puts out the word if you're one of his regular writers. And he just kind of says, well, uh, our next issue is going to be this subject. And mm-hmm. he'll, he has the articles pretty much set up. I mean, you can offer suggestions, but mostly it's and then some are pre-assigned already. Right. Like, you know, if somebody's good, big expert on Spider-Man, let's say. I'm probably not going to get it because he has people who do that. And I'm not interested in doing that all that much. Uh, unless it's like something goofy, like Spidey Super Stories with the electric company, something quirky like that. That's where I, that's where I come in. So I do all the goofball stuff. So uh, I think he did, I forgot the issue. If you have the issue, it probably tells. Is that an issue where it's like Archie knockoffs or something like it's that? The only, it's the only issue that, that they offer online, I think. On the oh, okay. I mean, if I remember, the, su- the subject was either Archie knockoffs or black comic characters or both. One of the two. I don't remember the I think subject. It was both. And, you know, he put out the thing and it's like, of course, I knew Fast Willie Jackson just because I used to scour the quarter bins now, usually like a dollar bin or two dollar. But in the old days, I just buy any old crap that wasn't superhero. And I go, hey, that's pretty funny. A black version of Archie. Hey, I'll, I'll pick that up um, now. I didn't know who I was going to interview. And that's typically what it is. I get the assignment and then I have to figure out, uh, have I interviewed somebody? Can I interview somebody or do I need to interview somebody and then stuff like that? Or can I just write this without it? Sometimes I have to. Um, but uh, in the case of that one, I, I found out that uh, Bertram Fitzgerald actually was still alive. He's no longer living now. And on a whim, I just, I think, Either I called him or I emailed him. I don't remember how I first contacted him. And uh, he said, yeah, I did that. And I did this other series called Golden Legacy, which uh, had, it was a 16 issue series and each one profiled some historical black uh, person in history that a lot of people never talk about, you know, or think about, you know, some are more obvious, like there's an issue on Martin Luther King Jr. Most people know who he is, but uh, like the author of the Three Musketeers, Alexander Dumas, not everybody knows that, that was a black guy, you know, for example. And there's others and everything. I can't remember all the all 16 issues, but um, anyway, so I, I caught hold of him and I said, "Hey, I want to interview you for Fast Willie Jackson," and he he's pretty low tech, so I I did it over the phone with my tape recorder bef- back in the days before I had my digital recorder. So my recording still exists, but it's kind of so-so. But uh, yeah, he's very accommodating. And we talked about how difficult it was putting those comics out and uh, everything like that. And then he sent me stuff like Fast Willie Jackson. There's only seven issues published, but he sent me the cover or a proof of it of the eighth issue. So, you know, that's in there, stuff like that. So, And um one of the things I was going to ask about, by the way, is what at what point do you give up on superheroes? Because my whole thing of superheroes, I can't get into this later. But my whole thing of superheroes is my interest in superheroes 
is until about 1960 because I think after a while, like, you know, Superman, Batman, they were really interesting. They had tragic backstories, but they were still interesting. But then I think that after a certain point, Iron Man just became a pity party. <laughs> well, well Spider-Man okay. doesn't complain. I, I always purport to being anti-superhero. I really am not. I'm basically anti-current superhero. So, um, in fact, right now, uh, you've seen those Marvel Masterworks books. Yeah. Uh, well, originally they came out in hardback editions, and then more recently they came out in paperback editions. Now they're coming out in this smaller paperback that's like six by nine, and they're mm -hmm. only fifth. They're only sixteen bucks each. And I go, well, that's better than the hardback that was fifty or the paperback that was thirty. I can afford sixteen dollars, and so you know I've gotten the first uh, twenty issues of Fantastic Four and the first twenty issues of Spider Man, stuff like that, and I'm reading them and I'm enjoying them. And you know, I thought about this a long time ago, but I still think about it now. It's like, why don't I buy superheroes? Why am I not like the typical collector and buy all this stuff? I'll tell you why: because superheroes are no longer fun. Um, you know, when I was a kid, you know superheroes yes were made fun of but i mean you know i grew up watching batman with adam west that was a goofy show you know anybody wandering around with tights or a cape or something was considered strange you know it wasn't considered everyday yeah. wear and, yeah. <laughs> and so i never took it that seriously now of course i can take uh talking ducks seriously or talking rabbits seriously or whatever but that's because that's that even goes one step further on the imagination scale but the problem with superheroes for me is when they started treating them really seriously like they were important like their lives well, mattered and it's like they were always important i mean like batman always had but i mean important in that you know you had to care about what's going to happen to them because you know oh batman's back was broken by bane this month oh what's going to happen he's out of commission it's like in the old days he had a story if he broke his back well I'd say the end the next issue would be fine you know they didn't have yeah. this continuity that you had to buy 37 yeah. other issues and you were sitting there mourning the death of superman or whatever you were just like um oh he's battling this you know like batman back in the old days you'd battle creatures uh goofy creatures like bat mite and mr mixoplex i guess and you know those type and, and hang... mixoplex was superman dude oh okay well i don't even remember anyway but you know that type of stuff you know right and uh right. joker was considered like cesar romero is not like the way Joker was on later incarnation where he's like a homicidal maniac, you know? It's like he was just a goofy guy that laughed hysterically and, and played pranks and practical jokes. It was all kind of lighthearted. It wasn't this, you know, dark night and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, it's like, and that's I'm, where I dropped I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of that, Mark. I'm in the middle of it. I'm going to share my opinion on my podcast. So, I'm in the middle to where I don't think superheroes, because I'm a one who thinks that there are people who, like, on Facebook, I will argue with somebody because he says, well, if it's not Adam West, it's not the real Batman. And this person was convinced that Adam West had to be the real Batman. I'm like, 
there was a Batman before Adam West, dude. Yes. Yeah. Like that's not how that that's not how life works. And this is probably the same guy who says the Adams family has to be like the TV show. Oh. Because when there was an not Adams the comic, family before not the, the comic TV. panel in New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, this is the kind of person who would say, No, there was no comic panel. And if you would show him the picture, he would still say was there was no comic panel. Oh, well then he's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, I can argue that Adam West is my favorite Batman. And well, right. and he is, right. but I know there was Batman movie serials. I have the DVDs, you right. know, I, you know, like the Batman. My whole thing is like, I think it's gotta be the middle. Yeah. My thing is like, it's gotta be like the Fleischer Supermans or those Batman, uh, Tim, Bruce, Tim. Oh yeah. The shows, which I think those, the, or whatever. those are the quintessential ways that they should be done where He's not like really stupid. Like, you know, I think Batman, you know, I think the first few Batman web episodes, he actually was generally a good superhero. He was actually, you know, the very first thing Batman does is talk about his dead parents. Yeah. So that whole thing is still very clear in the Batman TV show. Yeah. But then after a while, he starts breakdancing and all that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, they got goofy on that show. I get it. What's funny? What's but, funny? I have to interrupt on this. Is what's funny is when I was a kid, you know, or not when I was a kid, but now, uh, people that are my age, they go, "When I was a kid, I thought it was deadly serious," and I said, "You did? Wow, you're you must have been held back a couple grades because that that was a dumb show when I was a kid. It's dumb now, but I love it. That's why it's because I like yeah. campy stuff, right? Know, so I um." <laughs> yeah, no, here's something I got to do that you didn't. I got to watch, I got to take a class on superheroes in college. Wow. And we had a whole week of just watching the Batman TV show. <laughs> and we just hold this the whole time in class watching it and talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Strategically, we would like watch clips of Adam West talking and we would write about yeah. it. It was a neat class. Uh, yeah. So, but, um, I- but my thing is like, I don't understand the Batman versus Superman thing because the whole thing is them just brawling out and bloody murder. And then Superman's oh, you mean that the more current ones is that they've been making with like Ben Affleck and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, even I can put like they got to make sure that Superman's like in the real world, which that didn't make any sense to me. So Superman's got to be some conservative weirdo. Yeah, and Batman's got to be some social justice warrior, which that didn't make sense to me. And I'm like. They're both supposed to be social justice warriors. That's their right. job. Right. Right. And like, there's a difference between like you know actual blood and gore versus you know Batman's. You know he's that's those shows are homicidal and he's serious and all that. But you know yeah. he's still willing to. The idea of him cracking a sly joke at the end of something, isn't a problem. Yeah. They're really weird show. They're really dark, yeah. dark shows. But that's yeah. what superheroes can be, but he can still be funny sometimes. Because, like it's not so taboo if he's funny, right? I mean, for me, humor goes a long way. And so, yeah. like, if you just stick right now with the the Marvel comic universe films, yeah, you know, my favorite ones are the Guardians of the Galaxy films, and I like uh, Thor Ragnarok, and I like the last couple um avengers films why do i like those well there's more humor in those right um everybody raved about how great black panther was it was a good movie but it was also a boring movie i hate to say 
uh, Shang-Chi was a good movie, but it was also a boring movie. I mean, I'll still see these things, but I'm going to call it as it is. It, you know, I think, I mean, there was some funny stuff in, in, in the latter one, but, you know, it, it's like, I like it a little more funny. Now, people, most people are the opposite of me. They go, what? Ragnarok was so stupid. They had jo dumb jokes the whole time. Yeah. That's why it was entertaining for two and a half hours instead of like, I haven't even seen that new one, the Batman with, uh, you know, right. the guy from. I heard it's good though, but, but yeah, but that was my thing. I, I hear it's good and I hear it's bad. And it's like the people who say it's bad, it's probably going to be my opinion because it, you know, this one guy said, I fell asleep twice, but I did finish my popcorn. <laughs> and I thought but my opinion though, is someone says it's bad because it's not Adam West. I'm like, no, that's not the reason why it's bad. Yeah, it's bad that, because that's those are the people who I'm like, no, dude. I mean, I even like the Michael Keaton ones. I even like the 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 um, what's the guy that was in the Dark Knight ones? Uh, that actor. Um, um, you know, I always forget all the Batman names. You know, what I'm talking yeah, about those. Pleasure three. with the Joker. That's all I can tell. Yeah, you. that one. Yeah, well, that's one of three of those. You know, uh, you know, those aren't bad. You know, where where I thought that they went south is when you said like Batman versus Superman. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that Superman. Me. I'm more of a Superman fan than a Batman fan, anyway, um, because Superman actually has superpowers. Who have thought right. that you'd like a Superman? hero with superpowers it's right. like batman's just like, like a guy with like you or me but he's wearing a goofy costume yeah, but, but he could he could die it pretty easily <laughs> which now the whole thing is though that we we're supposed to want to be superpower we're, we're supposed to want to be the superheroes we're not supposed to hate we're not supposed to feel bad for them right right that was right. my whole thing like yeah the whole point of the movie is them like grueling over there. I had to watch this for class too. I had to watch oh. it again, which really Superman sucks. versus Batman. Yeah, or we whatever. Actually had to watch the, we actually had to watch the 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 the, the Snyder cut and then the actual version. Right now, the Snyder cut's actually decent. Oh, okay. Because I don't like the actual him. Version. Okay, period, just but... Imagine, imagine, imagine like the actual the the Did you see the regular Justice League? No, I, I I told you I jumped off of the the bandwagon on these. I mean, on the on the DC ones, uh, I haven't seen any of the more recent Batman's or Superman. I saw Superman Man of Steel, and that's what turned me off of Superman, because my Superman uh, wears the red underwear on the outside. I know it's not underwear. Um, my Superman has navy blue, not the, I mean uh, bright blue, not this navy blue ribbed costume I didn't, shit. Dark, yeah. I didn't get the dark blue thing either it, I yeah i like i like it to be a lighter blue i mean to me christopher reeve personifies superman right I th george reeves isn't bad but i think he's a little too chunky that's my only problem with him yeah. <laughs> I, I one time heard this fan yeah. theory that someone said by the way that bat that that the george reeves superman the adam with batman and the linda carter wonder woman is in the same universe it yeah, seems i've heard weird. that before yeah, I've, I've seen a little weird, but I kind of wish it was true. Yeah, because I kind of wish there was like a comic book of that. Well, they could make one. You know, they did yeah. Batman sixty six, and they did, and the they did Wonder, Wonder Woman seventy seven. Now they're doing Superman seventy eight. I saw it at the store, and but he looks like Christopher Reeve, not George Reeves. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, we had to watch the movie Hollywoodland too. Have you seen that movie? It's I've seen movie. that. It's a really weird movie. <laughs> I like the movie, but I thought Ben Affleck was not the right choice. But I don't care for him as an actor anyway. I think he's 
Yeah. The only movie I really like him in is Argo, but and that was just a surprise. Yeah, anyway. no, I think I think it was like <laughs> it's like I compared it to, and I compared it the vice versa when we watched it. The you know from Gods and Monsters about the guy who made Frankenstein. Yeah, it's the exact same film except for with Superman, mm-hmm. because it's like, well, you got this random schmo just coming into the life of someone who just died right <laughs> you randomly put some random dude to follow around this guy who just about to die. <laughs> that's the plot now anyways now on to the other books you've contributed to okay. archie comics you did something for craig gill yeah um he did an archie history book i I basically helped him out with factual information, stuff like that, and wrote four pages of the thing. I'll say it again now because there's one point where he got all pissed off because I said, and I don't care at this point, um, that I, I I wrote part of the book. And I go, I did. I wrote four pages. You know, it was the four pages about the Archie TV show. I got that assignment and I wrote those pages. So, you know, and they weren't rewritten. So I wrote those pages. It's like, yeah, I don't get an author credit on the cover, but I still wrote those four pages anyway. And you also contributed to a book called the comedy of Jack Davis. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, I wrote an introduction to it and I helped put it together as a, um, with Mort Todd as a Kickstarter during the pandemic here. And it was basically material that was already produced, but we basically rescanned it they were both specials that came out from cracked back in the 90s that that uh mort todd compiled but we have the brilliant idea it's like let's rescan it make it look better than it did then and uh issue it as a paperback book you know and so that's what we did so <laughs> on two of them and finally i was gonna i never got to talk to you about this but i didn't even know about this you've written some comic books now I have. <laughs> You've written for the Pink Panther comic books. I have. What was that like, and how did you get that assignment? Um, get this well, that's not the first home? comic books I wrote. I mean, if you're really doing your research, my first comic, my first published comic books uh, were two Atomic Mouse stories for Shanda Fantasy Arts that current Dick Tracy writer used to publish and he, he and I became friends he used to work at Harvey way back in the day and he found out that I could write because of Harveyville fun time my old fanzine and so I wrote a couple atomic mouse stories and those are my first published comic book stories back in the night credit for it yes and I got paid too you got credit uh, for it I got credit for it I didn't know they were doing credits back then still yeah at what point uh, did they start giving actual credits to write comic book artists and writers? Well, I mean, it depends on what company you're talking about. Marvel did back in the 60s, but, you know, it's like, oh, it took Archie till the 80s, and Harvey never did, so it's like... And, 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 and Dell, Dell and, never yeah, did. Yeah, never did. Dell never did, but you could figure it out really quickly. Yeah. Well, you can with Harvey, too, if you have a keen eye like I do, but uh, it's like... Uh, uh, but uh let's see and then i did a richie rich parody for a a a giant it's called giant shanda animal instead of annual because that was they had animals in these things so it was but he did shanda the panda was his his um like what's the word his i'm so lost right now main title this is mike curtis's comic book line and so my third story was for a comic he published called giant shanda animal where i did a parody of richie rich but with animal characters so that was my third story then you asked me 
how I got involved with American mythology. Well, they started publishing comics on all the stuff I was writing books about. Underdog comics. Uh, uh, what are the other ones? Um, Pink Panther. Uh, Pink Panther comics. Uh, Three Stooges Casper. comics. Uh, Casper comics. And so, so I said, hey, I can write stories for this. And the two negatives about the whole experience. I, I got a Three Stooges story published, a Pink Panther story published. I don't think I got a Casper story published. I think it, I think we got one of the other. I think from no, I got I, an, an Ant in the Aardvark story published. That's what I was going to say. You yeah. got an Ant in the Aardvark story. Yeah, published. and I, I think that's it. Aardvark on the Inspector story. Now, um, they don't have the Harvey license anymore, so there's no more Caspers, but they're still doing Three Stooges and stuff like that. Um, the problem I have with them, and I can say it on here because I'm probably never going to write for them again. I mean, what are they going to do? Um, they pay way too low and they reject stories very easily or ignore story con stories that you turn in. So you're doing all this work basically for nothing. Now, when I was like your age, I was willing to do a lot of stuff for nothing because I figured, well, you got to start somewhere. But at this age, you know, if you're going to ignore my stuff, uh, that's worse than paying me low money if you're paying me low money but at least you're paying attention to my stuff and publishing me like that's why i keep working for back issues they don't pay a lot but they publish me so i'll keep working yeah. for them you know Gary Beck doesn't pay me anything but i but he publishes me yeah and you know and that, that's the thing i mean it depends on who it is is american mythology if they're going to ignore my stuff you know it's like and i've complained to the other people on other podcast episodes, you know, I said, have you had that problem? And it's usually the artist. They go, no, we, I get my stuff published all the time. <laughs> and then they've all said, oh, let's contribute something together. And so then you can get your writing in it. None of those ever worked, you know, sorry to say, guys. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so I got a few published with American Mythology. I was happy for what I did. Um, I'd be willing to do more if, A, they would start paying attention to my story ideas faster. And, B, if they actually paid. A the one, the one thing I yeah. did like, though, is I did like that they republished, like each story came with a republished story from like a previous. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, they were like uh, Harvey was in the 90s. They they got the rights to, you know, older yeah. uh, books and stuff like that. So because I did like it to where but I loved it to where like the Panther doesn't say anything. And in the middle of it, it's like an old story back when the Panther spoke. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you could say that about the, the the animated cartoons, you know, the theatricals. He never spoke, yeah. but then there's that series of Matt Frewer where he spoke. So, right, you know. which which um, I don't even, I never, I don't even think I've seen, I've even heard him speak other than that one rich little thing. Oh well, that's a, that's a different situation where right. there's a couple cameos where he just, you know, like. Uh, uh, something like, or the crazy animals be more like yeah that's what that. Like that i should have that line memorized but anyway what oh. yeah but so uh, what one of the things that um but i always tell people like somebody was talking to me about the roadrunner comics i'm like well in fairness the roadrunner comics and the tom and jerry speaking that wasn't that was an idea of the, the roadrunner speaking was the uh, in, in rhymes with the idea of michael maltese Mm -hmm. right and yeah. the tom and jerry speaking thing was the idea of mgm writers yeah the comic strip in the comic books so yeah. that was that was not anything that came from out of school right there was a reason for it that i do know i mean it's like if you had a comic book of total pantomime strips all the way through um 
then you know people people are like you know always thought comic books were for kids and it's like if you have no nothing for a kid to read you yeah. know hey what is this garbage that we're foisting on our kids so they had to make them talk for that reason but um that never really bothered me because it's like it, no, it, it, it just was like it was just strange yes bugs bunny lived in a house uh yes mary uh, sniffles hung around with this girl named mary jane who never he, he never did in the movie I yeah i always know? tell people that that this is it's like dc comics the looney tunes comic books are earth two the Looney yeah. Tunes comic strips are oh. Earth three. It's yeah. like it's like it's like Crisis on the Infinite Earth. Yeah. And it never bothered me because the stories are pretty good. So it's like yeah. as long as that happened, I was okay with it. So I was always a, a story person. Anyway, well, like you so. could understand Donald Duck when he speaks. That was the other yeah. thing. Yeah, which, which um, I, I'm. Have you read Early Mads, the Harvey Kurtzman yeah. comic? Okay, so I always liked it. Mickey Rodent, where they have Donald Duck. And they write it like he speaks on quicky quack or quagga, quagga. You know, it's like, and then it has a little asterisk. Sorry, you know, <laughs> Donald Duck speaks totally unintelligibly. From this point forward, we'll uh, write it as dialogue in plain English. I always thought that was very funny because <laughs> the the only attempt in the comic book to try to uh, write how Donald Duck speaks. <laughs> so um, he um he um. Yeah, I remember reading that, and I was reading it. I remember I had the Mad, you know, the Mad Fifty magazine, mm-hmm. um, the Mad Fifty book, the hardback book, like yeah. it's Fifty Years of Mad, the mm-hmm. Red. Yeah, I yeah. was reading that one time at school. One kid's <laughs> playing games next to me. I'm reading Mad. <laughs> um, I, and I went to a high school where you know Catholic high school. You don't play games on your computer. Or you're gonna get trouble. Oh. So, so well brother the one of the brothers sacred heart walks by me and looks at me and the disciplinarian's right next to him he says such say, such simple things he walks away and then the disciplinarian says looks at him for a second looks at me he's like at least you're reading uh, <laughs> and i'm like i love this how, how far we've grown yeah well, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like me. It's kind of like me at work, you know. So I have my job, and I can say where I work, but you know, it's in healthcare. I'll say that. But you know, it sometimes it gets slow, so I I don't have anything to do. But they don't like you sitting there, you know, going like this all day, and you know. But if I have a book and I'm reading a book, they tend to turn a blind eye, and it's like, well, a book is like a little more obnoxious than a cell phone in a certain respect. But hey. Whatever, I work in a library and they whatever just... floats your boat. So it's like, you know, so I, I, you know, the, the good thing is sometimes it's slow enough. I get caught up on my reading. It's like, so I, I, I read, I'm reading yeah. a lot more things than I used to. And I'd be like reading this comic book in class. And I'd be like, they'd be like, Brooks, get off your computer. And it's like, y'all need to be productive. And you'd look at me and then Alfred E. Newman's on the cover. And he wouldn't say anything. He'd be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this would be like this would be like this would be like that one class with like a priest yeah so that would be even more that would make it even more funnier and it's like you know it's like with the usual bang gang of idiots right in the cover and it's like well god bless america i guess yeah now part two of this of this fun little conversation you're we're going to talk about your fun ideas podcast i'm sure you've heard of it i think so um why a podcast, Mark? 
why why not i mean well wait you want to be a broadcast station nobody's gonna you know actually years ago um i had a friend uh i won't name his name just in case um but he 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 wanted to do a radio show with me um and i always said no because um he he claimed he was going to get all the guests which he probably could have gone all the guests but um he wanted me to do all get all the advertising and i kept telling him that's not how radio works you don't get your own advertising the station gets the advertising and they choose to put you on and everything like that so we never did a show but in the back of my mind it always was like hmm it'd be fun to have my own show tv show movies or radio show or whatever um now with this newer technology where anybody can be a broadcaster at any time well hey now it wasn't my idea to do a podcast in fact if anything i wasn't thinking about it at all i was like i just don't have any time to do it and then some of my friend lee who runs lee's comics uh he he was one oh i think you should do a podcast and i go i don't want to do a podcast i don't have any time to do a podcast well, I guess I do because this is number, I don't know what number we're on, 164 or something like that. Um, <laughs> might be 165. I, I lost count because I'm always a few episodes ahead. Yeah, but, yeah, you're, but... You're, you're, Let's just put it this way. You're 600 episodes away from being The Simpsons. Hey, how about that? But I'm not trying for any records. Uh, you know, it's like I try to get out one a week. Originally, I didn't, uh, you know, because I didn't know how many I would do and stuff like that. Uh, but if, if occasionally I, I mess up and I, not really mess up, I just run out of episodes. Well, I'll, I'll run some repeats for a while. Or, well, I'm here you know. doing this. So you run yeah. out of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> but with this one, I, I this one takes me through May. So I'm, I'm covered through May. And then I have another one in a couple of days. So that goes into June. So. Um, yeah. there we go. Um, now once I started doing it, I mean, I'm the, I'm this way about projects. Um, it's like, I, I always kind of wanted to emulate like the Beatles or something like that, you know, in, you know, or Disney for, you know, where always wanted to get, do the next big thing. Unfortunately, I have like limited resources, so I don't have you know, income from my animated films so I could build a theme park. I don't have uh, people like Brian Epstein and George Martin walking around saying, hey, these guys are great giving us money and contracts and here, uh, do your stuff. I have to do it basically myself. And that's the way I've always kind of done it. You know, it's like, oh, I'd like to be published. Nobody wants to publish me. Okay, I'll publish myself. And that's how I started the fanzine. Oh, I'd like to have a book published. Nobody wants to publish me. Okay, I'll publish a book. And that's how the book started. Um, oh, I'd like to be on TV or radio or something. Well, I'll do it myself. And that's what I'm doing now. You know, it's like, you know. You think you have, how, 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 how many people do you think listen to your, listen or watch your show? This podcast? Yeah. um it just depends on who it is i mean yeah. i can tell you the top ones i mean it's usually when i have a bigger celebrity type guest like keith scott was a big one um i know milton of, knight has been it was a, was a bigger one which one milton knight was yeah that was okay and uh fang who was in uh paul revere and the raiders he got uh, a lot of hits but some really surprised me like um there's this guy named martin grams granted he um has written some books 
and he's about like me. He puts on this uh, mid-Atlantic uh, uh, celebrity show. You know, guess, stuff at, like the, that. at the nostalgia convention. Yeah, that one. And it's like, but I think he is either number one or number two of the all-time highest rated episodes. It's like, what did he do? You know, it's like I'm anybody right know now. What? If, it, if 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 Amber or eyes that for what first show of Amber and I are is in the top ten. That's because Amber and I had to relook at it a hundred times over. So, <laughs> that half of it is us. Yeah. Well, it, it also depends on the subject matter. If it's not the person, um, you know, I didn't episode, like th- that actually got viewed a lot too, because we we're talking Rocky and Bullwinkle. People love Rocky and Bullwinkle. But and half, of course, of them were, half of them were us. I think we might yeah. have gone on to that okay. to help to, to go look back at the transcript, probably at least a hundred times. Okay. Um, and then you know Amber was on solo a couple of weeks yeah. ago, so you know. No. She, Thank you for just, the nice words, by the way. She she just randomly called me up. She said, "Can we do it again?" And I go, "Sure." Because I, I suggested it to her. Oh, okay, all right, and uh, that's how that happened. But you know that one's done pretty well, and people are like, "Oh, I didn't know you were doing voiceover." So you know, I hope she does something with her career. It seems like she's going for it. Um, yeah. But back on me, um, <laughs> uh, I think the number one ranking is probably i think is the last time i looked because i can always check uh it's tom richmond from mad and uh a good one i think he i don't know well he has a he has a, a blog site and he sends out emails all the time and he did promote it pretty well so you know that helps but yeah he's still a known quantity that even if he didn't plug it that strongly people would still seek it out. Like, I don't think he's Scott, the example, did much promotion for it, you know, but it's gotten a lot of views because people go, they like him, you know, and it's like, okay, great. You know, so um, I'm sure there's a few others like Gary Puckett, but you know, all the musician type guys, because they're kind of well-known, you know, 60s, 60s and 70s rock star types, you know, uh, Chip Douglas did well. So, yeah, when I was thinking, I actually looked at the top rated ones. One of them was also Jerry Beck, I think, was another top rated. Yeah, well, one. people know him too. <laughs> yeah. But I, well, I actually listened to your thing with Jerry, and here's why I like yours. I think you did one of the best interviews with Jerry Beck. You know why? Why? Because you asked nothing of what he's, you, you didn't ask anything about his life and career, which that made it even more fun. Yeah. It, well, it was just like you talked about what did you hate about Space Jam? Which I'm yeah. like, I think of myself, how many people have asked this to Jerry in the past six months? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like even when I, you know, interviewed Scott Shaw, I've known Scott, I, I've known Jerry for almost 40 years. Okay. Right. And it's like, if I haven't known him personally, I've known him professionally. So I'd say 30 years I've known him personally, 40 years professionally or so. And it's like, everybody asks them the same old thing you know how did you get interested in animation what made you do it? you know it's like and i don't want to ask that first of all i already know the answer and second of all um you know like the the most interesting thing i don't remember on the jerry beck one except him showing me a bunch of stuff i have to look at it again but on the scott shaw one um i asked him this interesting question because I always thought he was born in san diego because he raves about san diego and yet he was born in new york so i was like scott what's all this San Diego love? Well, I didn't live in 
New York very long. And I go, oh, okay, all right. You know, and then he went on and he talked about his dad and stuff like that. I knew nothing about his dad. So, right. But I learned that early on. I mean, if you're going to go on in the, you know, during the show talking about all the various celebrities I've met, I mean, I'll mention one ahead of time that cued me in on how to deal with interviews. Okay. So, George Takei, Sulu, everybody knows him for Sulu. Yeah. Okay. So, we had the opportunity, and this is early on when I first started. Um, uh, I I wasn't interviewing. Was, I had a friend named Dane. I still am friends with him. We were not as close. He's the one I used to uh, do the all the different interviews with. I did celebrity interviews with him for about 20 years. And so we met anybody and everyone under the sun. And what I learned in doing interviews with him, I'd usually be writing the camera, but I'd write the questions. He'd ask the questions because he always wanted to be on camera. But um, with George Takei, I realized most people know him as Sulu. Most people, you know, and he was still making the movies. I think Star Trek Four was the most recent film at the time. So he's still in the public eye. But I mean, I'm sure he was bored to tears talking about Sulu and Star Trek, even though that's what he typically did in interviews. Well, I, I did I did a little background research on his uh, what he'd done, and he was work he was on the Los Angeles City Council for a couple of years, uh, and he was doing things with the mayor and stuff like that. I forgot all the stuff he did, but I said to Dane, I said, "Why don't you ask him about that? Get him to talk." And so Dane said all right and this is early on when we first started in his interview saying so everybody says mr takei what is your favorite star trek episode mr takei how is it like playing sulu mr takei what's william shatner really like you know what it's like and then uh, mr takei you were uh you worked in the city council with uh tom bradley is the mayor of los angeles what was that like Oh my God, his eyes lit up and he says, Oh, it was really wonderful. I had all this opportunity to do this, that, and the other. You couldn't get him to shut up after that. He spoke for like 20 minutes about it and he was so happy. And I learned a big lesson that day. I said, It's fun to ask somebody a question that they don't normally get asked because then you will get a better answer. <laughs> so um, it's easier to do that if you know the person. I mean, I knew, I didn't know George Takei personally, but I knew his career, you know, yeah. so that helped. But if I'm, if you throw me saying, oh, th this guy wrote this book, um, it's a little bit more difficult for me just to do that randomly, you know, but, you know, I, I, I tend to work my way around it, you know, it's like, and try to get interesting responses, so. There we go. Now, we'll ask you a question about the Fun Ideas podcast. What did the idea, where did the name Fun Ideas come from? Because either A, this seems like either one of two things. Either A, you were up all, all night and you could not come up with an idea. <laughs> or B, you just came up with an idea on the spot. Well, okay. Fun fun Ideas originally, in my fanzine was called the Harveyville Fun Times. Oh. I always envisioned, and it was a, pair, is a take on the Chicago Sun Times, ha ha ha. Uh, around the same time, and this is after I started mine, uh, McDonald's started putting out McDonald's, McDonald Land Fun Times, and I go, those bastards, they took my, <laughs> they took my pun. Anyway, so 
I always was a I was a Disney fan. I was like what Walt Disney did, and I always liked it, even in my small shoestring way. I said, you know, I should develop a company, you know, and not just call it the Harveyville Fun Times because I don't want to be known just as the Harvey guy, even though I am known as the Harvey guy. It's like I want to be known for other stuff. And yeah. so that's what people are going to call you from now on, Mark, the Harvey guy. Yeah, I know. Um, and so I was going to call it, uh, I, I said, I like the Fun Times bit. Uh, and I like Walt Disney Productions more than the later incarnations, the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> you know, I was like Walt Disney Productions. I always thought Productions was classier. And uh, so I, call, I was going to call it Fun Times Productions. Well, I found out there actually was a Fun Times Productions. I don't know if they're still around, but um, and I said, damn it, I want to use it. Um, so it was my dad who actually said, well, you know, why don't you come up with fun ideas? And I think it, I had already started using a light bulb logo anyway. And um, so I said, and oh, I know where it came from partially. And the reason why, uh, have you seen the movie Never Cry Wolf? No. Okay. But it's a Disney film as Charles Martin Smith, about a guy um who goes up to the frozen north to uh follow the wolves it's a good movie check it out sometime anyway <laughs> but he's up there with the eskimos and this is when disney was starting to change where they're you know like there's a scene in it where uh he, he eats a rat you know and it's like this is a disney film mickey mouse <laughs> He's eating a rat. It's kind of interesting. This is when Disney started changing and Eisner came along. But anyway, there's this one scene where he's up there talking with the Eskimos and he talks about his plans of what he's going to do. And the one Eskimo says, since he doesn't speak a lot of English, he says, good idea. <laughs> he just says it like that. And that kind of was what inspired the fun ideas you know, and every that's that's, I, that's 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 so much backstory and something. Yeah, like you, so well, simple. nobody's ever asked me before. There you go. I'm just like George Takei. So, <laughs> um, and you might ask, and I'm going to tell you anyway. Why don't I call it Mark Arnold? Blah blah blah. I've never been one to like throw my name out there. My, I figure my name is like John Smith. It's so it is plain and boring. So I'd rather have a more jazzy company name. And I always had in the back of my mind, hey, if I sold it, somebody would be willing to buy it, you know, because <laughs> it wouldn't be called their name, you know, it's like, but anyway, uh, probably not be selling fun ideas productions anytime soon, unless somebody wants to buy it, million, billion dollars, come on. Someone anyway. wanted to buy Cartoon Brews, so I think you're pretty, I think. You're pretty <sighs> That's true. Did somebody <laughs> buy it? Buy Cartoon Did somebody buy it? Oh, okay. did somebody actually buy it? I don't know. I think I mean they offered it for sale. That doesn't mean somebody bought it. I could I could I could say fun ideas productions up for sale. That doesn't mean I got a buyer or even anybody interested. Anyways. Right. Now, what is your favorite episodes of this podcast? Oh geez. Um, not this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course not any of them with me, because that would just that would just be compared. Actually, I like the second one with you and with uh what's his face? I should and also yeah, Ben, thanks. <laughs> Whoops, sorry, Ben. Because um, I liked it that we veered off and started talking about pizza and all sorts of weird stuff like that. I like that. Um, I don't know. The episodes that I think are the best are the ones that I have a little and 
you know, anxiety about ahead of time because I don't know if it's going to come off well. And it's usually I'm talking to somebody that I've never spoken with before. And so um, I'm like, oh my God, is this going to work? And then it comes out better than I expected. <laughs> it's like, cool. Um, or like, uh, it's somebody that I always wanted to interview, like Dick DeBartolo. I interviewed him. I always wanted to interview him. And it's like, he, yeah. you know, I just said out of the blue, I just called him up or emailed him or something. I said, sure. You know, and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, so that's the ones I like the best. Um, what is now besides me, besides me, um, um, now, now, actually, no. Let's say, how has your show improved since it went downhill when I started appearing on the show? <laughs> How's my show improved? Um, I think Every- I'm a little more comfortable with it. If you listen to the early ones, I don't think I was uncomfortable, but I, I, I know how to do the show now. It, t- yeah. it took a while. Um, yeah. Since I've appeared, Mark, your show gets better. <laughs> I mean, people always marvel, you know, and people who have been interviewed by me, they go, wow, that was more fun than I thought. And that's, that's really the best compliment you can give me. Yeah, well, that's usually the best compliment you could give me is like, I don't want people to feel uncomfortable being on the show. It's not uncomfortable times podcast. It's, you know, (laughs) Um. (laughs) now last question about this podcast. Okay. Um, What is a guest you'd like to have on? And don't, and Give me a don't give me an answer that I'm expecting to get. Give me a good answer. So Paul McCartney doesn't count. Okay, so you want a realistic answer? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like um, I'm trying to get some more of the Mad Guys, so I'd like to get them. Um, who have I not been able to get? There's it seems like there's always somebody. Um, in recent there are, times, there are a lot of people I've been trying to get for you that won't that won't yeah. that won't respond to my email. Um, I I shouldn't name names. I, uh, I I know situations better. It's it's frustrating because some guests I can't get due to circumstances beyond my control, and that frustrates me. I know that doesn't answer your question, but some of those I would like to get. Um, oh, let's see. Oh, you know, for Mad, I'd love to get John Ficarra, the old editor. Yeah. Um, he's never done an interview with me, and I'd love to talk to him. Um, let's think about different subjects. Um, even though I've interviewed him before, it'd be nice to get Sid Jacobson one more time for Harvey because he's in his 90s now, and it's, you know, but... Um, uh, Charles Rosenay and me. <laughs> yeah, both of you. Uh... I want to do an interview of you with him. That's that would be funny. <laughs> you can. I mean, you'd be whacked out probably. Um, That's the funny part. Um, let's see. You're trying to sabotage my thing. Um, <laughs> it it totally depends on the subject. I mean, it's like you know, and and see, I don't know how these people would be. Like you know, I'd love to interview Larry Storch, for example, but I don't know how he'd be because I've heard that since he's like ninety nine years old, he doesn't have much of a memory anymore. So it's like you get Phil Roman. Yeah, he'd be good. You know, it's like he's really easy to reach. He's really nice. Yeah. He was just on a podcast the other day. Okay. I talked to, I've talked to him before. Oh, that was a good interview. And that it wasn't even originally done for this podcast, but it ended, Bob Kurtz, he was a great interview. So it's like um Bob Singer um, would be a good one. Oh yeah. Okay. 
but you know, and I'd love to talk to Art Leonardi again, but he's getting up there in years too. Um, so, you know, who knows? Um, but you know, sure there's just a lot of people, you know, it's like, yeah, the dream one would be like a McCartney or something like that, or, or somebody really big. Um, trying to think what what is the biggest one i've had on this show it could be dick DeBartolo. i don't know um jerry beck jerry beck <laughs> right no <laughs> some people would think that unfortunately yeah um, sorry jerry but yeah i mean i thought getting uh you know some of the the lampoon people was was fun you know it's like you know and i'd like to get more of them uh because i got sherry flanagan i got uh stan mack i got uh, bk taylor they're all fun because they were a little bit more challenging to try to get so you know that type of stuff is kind of what i like but you know i can't really say i want this person over this person because i'm kind of open to anybody so (laughs) you know how about how about um that australian guy oh plastic he's been on he's been on it before (laughs) You didn't ask me about return guests. <laughs> oh, how did that work? Which I, I got to be honest, did he use the Elvis accent there too? What? He Say that again. Did he do his Elvis accent there too? On that one? No, he didn't do any Elvis stuff. That's why it was so random on that episode. It's like, whatever. <laughs> I love it. Everyone's trying to keep a straight fit. Like, which now, fi- now finally to the main discussion of our show. Uh-oh, uh-oh. People oh, Mark up. has met, people Mark has liked. Okay. People, okay, so now let's start with basic. You met you met President Trump. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that was unexpected. <laughs> no, you met. Yeah, I was I was I was gonna say something much worse like Putin, but I'm like, you know what, Trump's funnier. But <laughs> now monkeys, let's talk about how you met each of the monkeys. Okay, that's an interesting story. Okay. Um so the first time I saw any monkeys was in the concert in 87. But uh, as far as meeting them, strangely enough, I met all four of them separately within a year's time. And that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. And it was the last, uh, the, the, the first one was Davy Jones and it was two weeks before he died. And it was at an autograph show down in Hollywood. And I, I've said this before. It's like if somebody went around this room and said, you know, we're taking bets on who will be dead by the end of February. Uh, uh, I doubt Davy Jones would have even made the list because Martin Landau was there and he was like 88 years old and he was pretty f- frail. And Carla Lemley, who is related to Universal's Lemley, uh, Car- uh, was 105 and was there that day. Now they've both since passed, but they both outlived Davy Jones and it's like Davy Jones was singing and playing and I talked to him for a bit and it was really cool and everything like that. Uh, the next one was uh, Mickey Dolenz who I actually met before. I met him way back in the nineties. Uh, but uh, I, um, it was at the same Hollywood show, but the next one, not the, and uh, he did the same thing. He was like chit chatting with everybody playing and singing and da, 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 da. So that's how I got to talk to him. And then, there was this brief time around that time uh, where both Peter Tork and, well, I think even Mickey, but uh, Peter Tork and uh, Michael Nesmith went on little 
solo tours. And so afterwards they had a little meet and greet. So I got to see both of them. And yeah, so I didn't talk to all four of them together in the same time, but I did talk to all four of them within a year. <laughs> so there you go. Now you met both Chuck Jones and Frizz Freeling. Yeah, not at the same time again, but yeah. No, well, well I do have to ask about meeting your monkeys because within a year's time, after that for last meeting the monkeys, you just think to yourself, man, I now met all the monkeys. Were you like, it's like, is it one of those moments where you're like stargazed? Well, after I, was, I was that way after seeing Nesmith because it's like uh, the other three had toured for years, even if I didn't right. meet them. I mean, it's like Nesmith was always the the wild card to ever meet or see or whatever, because he was never on tour or anything. So I, I was satisfied after seeing him and I don't think I actually had met Torque separately even at that point, but you know, I ended up doing it. So a little sense of satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> now um, you met Chuck and Frizz. I think yeah. you, I think you've talked about meeting Chuck Jones before, but yeah, Chuck Jones is at uh, the Warner brothers store. Um, he was wearing a cowboy hat. He, he's very soft-spoken, so there really wasn't much I could say or do to him, but he was talking to people. But, you know, he was very kind of to himself, so I wasn't terribly impressed. I was much more impressed talking to Frizz, um, and Frizz was older, too, so, you know, he wasn't like Yosemite Sam, like everybody says, but he's very kind of blunt and matter-of-fact, but I liked him. I liked the guy. He's a little short guy, you know, and he, he was just sitting there on, like, on a counter, you know, and he was just talking to us in this art gallery and uh, he would just spout off different stories about Pink Panther and uh, Tweety and Sylvester and, you know, just stuff he worked on, you know, and, you know. Um, which gallery was it? I'm just curious. <sighs> it seems like, but this could be wrong. There was this art gallery called Circle Art Gallery in San Francisco, oh, yeah. and I'm not I sure if it was that, that, but it could have been that. I know. I met Bill Hanna at the Circle Art Gallery because that's where I got my Yogi Bear. I have a Yogi Bear originally, so I have that, which is signed by uh, Hannah and Barbara. Um, that's where I know the Circle Gallery from because they did an interview with both of them at that gallery. Yeah, but Joe Barbera was not there, so I never met him. Bill Hanna was there. And if Bill it's Hanna was just... Because everyone says when I ask people when I did an Hannah Barbera say, I'm sorry I'm interrupting you right now. Um, but, um, but, but when I interviewed people... Every uh, friend of Hannah Rivera, everyone says they met Joe. They talked to Joe much more than Hannah. Yeah. Um, well, Joe wasn't there. He was supposed to be there, but I think he fell ill that day or something. So it was just Bill. And I guess because the other one wasn't there, Bill Bill was talking. You know, he was, he was pretty spry. You know, I think he's already in his 80s, but still, you know, he's just like, yeah, we did this and that and the other. I can't remember exactly what he said. And everybody's just throwing questions out, you know. <laughs> I'm naming names randomly now from this that now one of the things interesting is you were at francis ford coppola's house yeah explain um, explain yourself sir my, my ex-wife used to work there when she was Wait, my what? wife what my hold ex well on, on backtrack your ex-wife worked at francis ford coppola's house not his house but for his company american zoetrope in san francisco oh, i, I, I even worked for his company okay, okay. briefly Oh, I was about to say, wait, your ex-wife was like his maid or something? Or what? No, 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 no. She was my wife at the time, and she worked at American Zoetrope in San Francisco at the office in the accounting department. 
I briefly worked there as the receptionist when I was between jobs. Uh, so I worked for Francis Ford Coppola too, <laughs> but only for like a month. Uh, but uh, Coppola always had this holiday party. He called it a harvest festival party. But I think I went to his place like three or four times maybe. But uh, the harvest festival um, was just this get together party where he invited all the big wigs and the you know people who worked for him and everything like that didn't really get into any sort of major conversation with them. I mean, this is the extent of my conversation with Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, we were standing in line for the food and he says, is the food good? And I go, yeah. <laughs> so that's my encounter with Francis Ford Coppola. Hey, thank you very much. Lucas was his house. Hello. Now Lucas is there. And the, the memory I have about George Lucas is uh, he adopted a bunch of kids. I don't know if you knew that. No. And uh, I think as a, he was a single father. He was married at the time of the original Star Wars, but he was divorced by the time I saw him. And for some reason, because I guess he's wealthy, he decided to adopt a bunch of kids. Well, my memory will always be of George Lucas chasing after one of his kids. You know, it's like, come back here, you know, because <laughs> um, Coppola's uh lives on a winery type ranch so it was a huge place and up in rutherford california and uh you know it's like you don't want your kid running off and so but the kid just was like he just darted away and it was just funny watching george lucas who's usually mr i'm talking about star wars and everything is serious and blah 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 going hey come back here you kid you know so. <laughs> now now you've also you also met now let's talk about how you met Mort Saul. Mort Saul was doing a public appearance in Sausalito, I believe, which is north of San Francisco, about seven or eight years ago. And he was pretty elderly. I mean, he died just a couple of years ago. He was already pretty elderly, but my friend Lee that I talked about earlier, he and I just decided to go up and see him because it's free. And he was just giving a little talk. Uh, he was talking about the current state of affairs, which at the time would have been like Obama and stuff like that. And uh, um, hard to hear, but he, I, the things I could hear, you know, were pretty funny. So he still had it. He just couldn't speak very loudly. And unfortunately, they had a horrible mic situation. So but anyway, after it was all over, uh, you could go up and just talk to him for a bit. And I did. So then I could hear him because he was standing right next to me. And I, I just on a whim brought one of his old albums because I had a few of them and he signed it. So that was my. Now, yeah. <laughs> uh, you met one of the stones. <laughs> met Ron Wood. Yeah. And he did in the eighties, he did an art book because he's a painter. I don't know if you knew that. Besides hold on, hold one second. Can you okay. hold on one second, Mark? I'm sorry. All right. All right. This chair is squeaking like crazy. Oh, okay. Okay. So Ron Wood is a painter too. I don't know if you knew this. And uh, besides being a guitarist. So um, he put out a book called The Art of Ron Wood, which I still have. And, you know, he went around on a little book tour. I still have the book. He signed and he put a, like a, a quickie profile drawing of himself. You know, he has kind of a big nose. So it's like, it's like, you know, big nose, you know, and just a little bit of hair. So I mean, it's all nose. <laughs> so, um, but he is very cordial. Again, situation like the others, you know, just chit chat. Everybody asked him questions. I don't remember what I asked, but you know, it was just fun. And yeah. You know. 
Thank you for listening, and thank you, Camden Spees, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 167 will be coming soon with part two of this interview. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.